Good morning. If you have your Bibles, let me invite you to open with me to the book of Proverbs, the threes and fours class. You guys are dismissed to your class. Thank you for worshiping with us. If you need a copy of God's Word, just slip up your hand right now. We've got people coming down the aisles with extra copies. We'd love for you to open with us to the book of Proverbs, and we will begin in chapter 14, though that's not where we will stay the whole time. Proverbs chapter 14, we'll begin with verse 15 here in just a moment. We are working through the book of Proverbs. We have transitioned into a section from chapters 10, really all the way through chapters 29, where the order and the organization of the book is somewhat sporadic. And so the way we're approaching it is we're collecting individual Proverbs that repeat particular themes, and we're trying to consolidate the wisdom of Proverbs on particular uh, topics for living the wise life in God's world. We've looked at the theme in this section of wise speech. We have looked at the theme of wise friendships last week, and this week we turn to the very important theme of wise waiting, or in other words, patience. We turn to this reoccurring theme of wisdom sustained through patient, careful, slow waiting on the Lord. So we're going to start in chapter 14, verse 15, and then we're going to pray for God to give us understanding. Chapter 14, verse 15 reads, The simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. One who is wise is cautious and turns away from evil, but a fool is reckless and careless. A man of quick temper acts foolishly, and a man of evil devices is hated. Let's pray. Lord, uh, I pray that you would help me to preach on things that I struggle with. Pray that you would help me to preach in humility, that you would help me to preach true things. God, that you would empower my words to press into our hearts. I pray that we would be convicted this morning of ways that we fail in this area. I pray that we would be encouraged by the gospel promises of a day where we will no longer fail in these areas. Help us to fight the good fight of faith. I pray for those who are not here this morning because of sickness or uh, difficulty in their family, God. Lord, I just pray that they would hear this message, whether that be online or through the audio, God, and I pray, God, that they would be comforted, their souls would be comforted, that they would be reminded there's a church body here praying for them. Lord, I just pray that this moment of uh, reading your word and trying under to understand it would be a moment of worship, and that you would fill me with your spirit in an obvious way, that God might speak through a sinful man like myself, but through a powerful word that you've inspired and preserved for us. We pray, speak by your grace alone and for your glory alone. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Patience is a virtue. We've heard that. 
I've heard it said in this room before, jokingly, I may have said it, I may have heard it, I've, I've heard the phrase often in my life, don't pray for patience, or why? You'll get opportunities to be patient. And we say that in jest, and we sort of laugh off a comment like that because we can all relate to a common hatred for the need for patience. We don't want to be put in circumstances that would require us to be patient. We live in a fast-paced world. Time is money. Messages are instant. Food is fast. Entertainment is constant. All of this buzzing around us at all this time, all this busyness, all this feeling like we're behind when we first woke up in the morning, all of this makes us struggle with patience. We struggle with a slightly longer than average line at the grocery store. You ever been to the Walmart and there's like 40-something things? You'll walk all the way to the other side looking for a line that has two or three less people. We struggle with the lines a little longer than normal, but we struggle in a deeper way when the timeline for our life or the life we want to live is longer than we want it. We struggle with prolonged singleness. We struggle with prolonged seasons in a particular job that we thought would be temporary. We struggle with cycles of sinful behaviors in someone else. We struggle with cycle of sinful behaviors in ourselves. We struggle with prolonged grief. When the darkness will not lift. So much of life requires not just wisdom attained in the first place, but rather wisdom sustained, a wisdom of waiting, a wisdom of patient, careful, one step in front of the other progress. Nothing about the Christian life is necessarily fast. In fact, our sanctification is painfully slow. Our spiritual growth is painfully slow. Your spiritual growth is painfully slow. It's so slow, you cannot even see the progress unless you look backwards to the person that you were years ago. Strong faith is not a flash in the pan kind of faith, strong faith is a lot more like a tree that grows its roots into soil by streams of water over time. It's so slow, its movement is almost imperceptible until the storm comes and you discover how deep the roots have actually been growing all along. This theme in Proverbs is everywhere. Wisdom is patient. So what I want us to, to do is to think through the many ways in which this, this idea of patience or carefulness or slowness and waiting is required for the flourishing of the Christian life, starting with verse 15 of chapter 14. Proverbs chapter 14 verse 15 says this, the simple believes everything, but the prudent gives thought to his steps. This text suggests that we should be slow 
and careful in two realms of life. First, in the believing of things. Second, in the actual doing of things. The simple person or the foolish person just believes everything. They, they hear it on the news, see it on Facebook, heard somebody said something, and they immediately react as if that thing is the way they've understood that thing to be. By contrast, the wise person thinks critically and carefully about the convictions they will hold. So, so here's the first bit, and we'll progress through four truths about wise patience this morning. Starting with truth number one, wisdom takes time to believe what is true. Wisdom takes time to believe what is true. What you believe matters. What you believe about God matters. What you believe about Scripture, about people, about the purpose in life. It all matters. What you believe about heaven and hell and who goes where matters. What you believe about the church and your responsibility to a local body of Christ matters. One of the faults of a fool is that he's too quick to believe any testimony that he hears and that he wants to be true. He's too busy to stop and to critically assess things, to question himself, his own motives, his own thought processes. He's too consumed with life to pause and give careful thought to what he's believing. That's the case for many people in our world. Many people are convictionless. They have no deep-rooted, carefully thought-through understanding of the world they live in. They have only very shallow thoughts regarding the most ultimate things like God, morality, life, and death. They just move along in life from one desire fulfilled to the next, or one desire not fulfilled to the next. They've been told they're good people. They've compared themselves with a lot of bad people. Thus, they've come to believe they will be eternally fine in the face of God if there is one. Many people in this position do not hold this position because they've spent a great deal of time deeply thinking about it. Oftentimes, an evangelism situation, you as a Christian are on the defensive. They're asking you questions to prove your beliefs, which you've thought about at great depth. But the second you turn around and ask them, well, where did you come from? And how do you know that you will stand righteous before a holy God? And then all of a sudden, there's fumbling because they've never asked the questions themselves and tried to think what the answer is. And they live, and we live, in a world of falsehoods surrounded by people and spiritual propaganda that, that promotes non-truths day in and day out. We're surrounded by false worldviews, opinions, perspectives, and to top it off, we have a sin nature that gravitates to the false rather than the true. Romans 1.18, we are suppressors of truth. And if that's the case, we should take the time we should embrace the patience it takes to come to conclusions about the most important things in the world. A lot of us don't know much of God. A lot of us don't know much of His Word because we get bored with it. We, we don't take the time it takes to know the most important things in the universe. Thus, simply, we just believe the preacher on TV holding the Bible, though, may not be teaching that Bible faithfully. 
The person who says they're a Christian may not know what it actually means. The girl or guy who says they're a Christian on the first date may only be using that language because they know it's what you want to hear. That bit of gossip you heard or the conversation that made it back to you may not contain the full story from all perspectives that you would need to understand the situation. Wisdom, slow-moving, careful wisdom stops collects the information, seeks understanding, compares what they are hearing with what God is saying, and then they embrace the truth. We should be slow and humble when we make assumptions or take hard positions on an issue or person, especially when we haven't taken the time to truly think or pray about it. We live in a world that loves hot takes. Hot takes on social media are takes where you've not taken the time to actually think about what you're about to say. <laughs> it is your initial response to the little bit of information that you have. The simple believes everything. The wise person takes time to make sure they're believing true things. Wisdom gives careful thought to beliefs and to actions, to decisions, to choices. Truth number two about patience and carefulness and slowness. Truth number two is this. Wisdom takes time to make decisions carefully and communally. Look back at verse 16, Proverbs 14, verse 16. One who's wise is cautious and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless there seems to be a way to live that's sporadic and spontaneous and, and sort of just moves reactionary to the situations and people around you. There's a way to live that's w reckless and careless, and there must be a way that's wise and cautious. Every day we're faced with decisions, both small and big. Perhaps it's a matter of who to date or who to marry or where to live or where to work or what to buy. This proverb seems to suggest there's a wise approach and there's a foolish approach approach to those types of decisions. The wise approach recognizes the evil within and at, according to this proverb at every point makes decisions to turn away from that evil. See, the reckless person doesn't stop to weigh their own motives. They don't stop to ask what's best for the kingdom of God or what's best for others. The fool lets his or her desires be the loudest influence in their lives. And when your desires are the loudest influence in your lives, you're in trouble. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 2. Desire without knowledge is not good. And whoever makes haste with his feet misses his way. It is our cravings for something, our want, our desires that cause us to hastily move into a direction even if the facts around us are telling us something different or if the counsel we're given is telling us something different. Desire, even good desires without knowledge are not good to act upon. Desires that have wickedness at their root are even worse to act upon. Whoever makes haste misses their way. One of the most important ways that we as Christians are careful and slow to walk wisely is that in the moment of big decisions, we bring others in to the decision-making process. 
This is a surefire way to slow things down, put some other voices on it, right? Proverbs chapter 11, verse 14 says this. Where there is no guidance, a people falls. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 6 says this. For by wise guidance, you can wage your war. And in the abundance of counselors, there is victory. When you stop to seek the counsel of other Christians in your life, you automatically slow the decision-making process down and you protect yourselves against the foolishness that you're prone to walk in. Bring wise Christian friends in on your decisions, on your decision to date someone, to marry someone, to move, to, to change careers, to make a big purchase. Bring them in on relational conflict where there needs to be objective outside eyes. Make decisions communally. Necessarily, this slows it down and gives wisdom a chance. But don't just slow down and make decisions community with communally with other Christians, do so in communion with God himself. Even Jesus took time to intentionally walk with the Father before big transitions in his life on earth. Jesus fasts for 40 days and nights before going into his public ministry at age 30. Jesus departs to the wilderness for an all-night communion with the Father before he picks the 12 disciples. Jesus gets alone with the Father in intense prayer and agony before he's arrested and takes his final steps to the cross. His whole life is a picture of patient, wise steps according to the Father's perfect timing. He's 30 when he has his public ministry. Do you, do, you, do you realize that? What was he doing for the first 30 years? Working a day job. <laughs> Faithfully, patiently, waiting the most important mission in the history of the cosmos. But doing so patiently, waiting for the right time. Jesus had no sin. Jesus had no sin in him to cause his hasty decisions or actions to be sinful. So how much more should we take time to carefully and communally ponder our steps with the Lord? Wisdom takes time to believe what's true. It takes time to make decisions carefully and communally. Now jump back to chapter 14, verse 17. Proverbs 14, verse 17. A man of quick temper acts foolishly. Man of evil devices is hated. Truth number three, wisdom is slow to react emotionally. Wisdom is slow to react emotionally. There is nothing that exposes the sin within quite like an uncontrolled temper. It's not a new struggle. It's not something that just us struggle with. It's not something that I just struggled with even this morning, I did struggle with it even this morning. This is a dominant theme in Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 14, verse 29. Whoever is slow to anger has great understanding, but he who has hasty temper exalts folly. A tranquil heart gives life to the flesh, but envy makes the bones rot. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Chapter 16, verse 
31, gray hair is a crown of glory. Amen? It is gained in a righteous life. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. Proverbs 19.11, last one, good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Beware of your first reaction. It is not normally your best reaction. Beware of your first deep sense of overflowing emotion. Just because you feel it doesn't mean that feeling comes from a righteous place. If you want to walk wisely, make good decisions, use wise words, you have to especially put into check your propensity to react. Especially when your reaction is an angry one. These Proverbs I've just read, and let me, let me synthesize them for you. When you are slow to anger, you have great understanding. You have a tranquil heart. Doesn't that sound pretty? A tranquil heart, a peaceful heart. You give life to the flesh. You quiet contention. On the flip side, your lack of control over your emotions causes you to act foolishly and to stir up strife. In other words, it affects everyone in the room, not just you. I particularly love verse 32 of chapter 16. Uh, verse 32 of chapter 16 says, If you're slow to anger, it's better than the mighty. He who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. So to be overcome with anger, according to this proverb, it's not a sign of strength. I mean, I kind of grew up in the sports world where if you wanted to play good, you got angry, right? Like, like you, you, if you got angry, you're going to exert more force. You're going you're gonna to push yourselves even harder. And, and because of that, there's a, there's a twist that happens in the minds of a lot of young men that are in that kind of sports world, a lot of young women in that sports world, where it's like anger is power. But this proverb says the exact opposite to be overcome with anger is not a sign of strength, according to this proverb. Rather, it's actually a sign of weakness. True strength, true mightiness is the ability to recognize anger for what it is and rehearse what's true in your own mind and then respond calmly and wisely despite whatever rage you might be feeling within. Better is he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city. In other words, this is the kind of prestige. This is the leadership. This is the kind of rule that matters in the kingdom of God. Not the ability to lead a kingdom, a government, or a church, but it's first and foremost the ability to lead yourself. To control the monster within. The emotional reaction as real as it may feel. And then to act and to exalt wisdom. Most of the time, our anger is not righteous anyways. <laughs> we get mad because someone else fails to meet our expectations as if we are their God and as if we've never failed anybody else. We get mad when we're not treated as we think we deserve to be treated. We get mad when we get embarrassed. We get mad when our pride is jeopardized. We get mad when our idols are threatened. Very rarely is anger justified as a righteous indignation, but even then, there's a way to be angry and not sin. A way to be angry and control its expression in only God-honoring, truth-speaking gentleness. 
wisdom slow to react emotionally, and as we saw a few weeks ago, wisdom's slow to speak, especially when we feel the anger welling up with it. If you feel it welling up with inside you, you need to kick in that other principle of wisdom, which is say less. Proverbs 15, 28, the heart of a righteous person ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Chapter 18, 13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it's his folly and shame. Chapter 18, 2, a fool takes no pleasure in understanding, but only in expressing his opinion. Wisdom is slow to react emotionally. And lastly, and, and perhaps the most difficult aspect of wisdom in the sermon, and the one that we will give the remainder of our time to, is truth number four, wisdom patiently awaits God's plan. Wisdom patiently awaits God's plan. Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 21. I'm just going to give you several examples, and then we'll hit the heart of the matter. Chapter 20, verse 21. It says this, An inheritance gained hastily in the beginning will not be blessed in the end. The principle is that if there's something good, like an inheritance, then it normally requires that you wait upon it. To, to fight and to claw and to force that inheritance to come early would be then to forfeit that blessing in the end, much like the prodigal son demanding the inheritance only to end up in the pigsty. Now this is true for things like inheritance, but this is true for many things in our lives, to actively or frantically or impatiently try to force some good blessing of God to happen in our life, it often is to invite difficulty rather than that blessing. Strong desire makes you rush things. It makes you cut corners. It makes you compromise, and it invites disaster. If you are ignoring God's word and good counsel to secure what you think to be a blessing of God, then it's not a blessing of God that you will secure. Let me say that again. If you're ignoring God's word and good counsel to secure what you think is a blessing from God, it's not a blessing of God that you will secure. Anything worth having is worth waiting and trusting a sovereign God for. Now, this does not mean that we do nothing. I'm not encouraging you to be lazy this morning, and the Proverbs don't do that. It just means we do what God has commanded us in a patient, trusting way. Look at Proverbs 21, verse 5. Proverbs 21, verse 5. The plans of the diligent lead surely to abundance, but everyone who's hasty comes only to poverty. So according to this proverb, patient wisdom is not passivity. The decision is not between be a passive person who doesn't really do much or an active person who's going hard. Patient wisdom is the choice between diligence and hastiness. You can be diligently faithful to what God has said without being unnecessarily hasty. Let's consider a few examples. Chapter 25, verse 15. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 15. Listen to this. With patience... With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. So in this example, the goal, the desire, the plan you're trying to accomplish is to persuade a king or a, 
a government official. Perhaps in your case, it's not a king, but it's a boss. Perhaps it's a child, or perhaps it's even a spouse. We're trying to persuade. We're faced with a choice. We can try to force their hand with the strongest of arguments, emotional displays of frustration, and ultimatums. We can drop the gauntlet and say, do this or do that, or I am out. Or we can shift them with soft, persistent persuasion over time. If you force your timeline on a king, it will not go well for you. If you force your timeline on a spouse, it will not go well for you. You might actually do more damage rather than good. The answer is patient, gentle, faithful, tranquil spirits that in the long run speak gently in such powerful ways they break bones. Did you, get, did you hear that? Do you hear the, 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 the word play there? The gentle word breaks bones. The, the phrase is meant to communicate the most difficult thing to do. It's talking about the spirit of a person, the, the, the hardest thing to break in the human body. It's actually the gentle words that, that move it over time. Your patience itself, your trust in God, will only increase the power of your gentle words over a long period of time. We wait for God in everything as a Christian. We wait for God for, to do things here and now in our lives, fully and finally in the life to come. Look at Proverbs 20, verse 22. Do not say, I will repay evil. Wait for the Lord, and he will deliver you. In this proverb, we're encouraged not just to wait for a particular blessing, but to wait for particular justice. All of us in our lives have and will have real evil done to us. I mean, we'll be betrayed, we'll be lied to, we'll be slandered, we'll be ignored, we'll be cheated on. We will have a choice in those moments. Repay evil with evil or wait for the Lord to work the justice only he deserves to work. We of all people do not have to be the ones who seek retribution when we're wronged. We're not the ones who apply the punishment here. We serve a God who took the punishment on a cross. So we can wait for him to work justice rightly as he sees fit. One day he'll execute justice on every single person who refused to have their sins covered by the blood of Jesus. Vengeance is not ours ever. It's always the Lord and we wait for him to do rightly. Patience and waiting on God just weaves into every area of life. What makes this kind of patient diligence possible for the plan of God? Well, it's a deep belief, a deep faith in who's actually in control here. Proverbs chapter 16, verses 1 through 3. Proverbs chapter 16, 1 through 3. The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. One of the reasons you should be glad that it's the Lord who establishes his plans and his timings is that your ways 
are often pure only in your eyes. We often think our motives are pure, we think our desires are right, but we often miss the idolatries that are deep in our hearts. We, we pray for God to do things. We long for God to do something in our life, not realizing it's actually His kindness that He not give us what He want. I am thankful the Lord did not answer prayers for particular girlfriends I had in high school. My life would look very different if He had given me what I thought I wanted in the moment. If we could see our lives and our own hearts from the perspective of God, we might not let us have the plans we want most either. The best we can do as finite, limited sin strugglers is commit our work to the Lord and then just watch where He establishes His plans. In other words, we make serving Him our priority and we relieve ourselves of the need to control what happens next. Chapter 16, 9, the heart of a man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his step. Chapter 19, 21, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Plans are not bad. We should all be making them. We should be ambitious people for the glory of God. We should be diligent people in pursuit of the mission of the Lord. Laziness is an abomination in the book of Proverbs. I mean, it is way up there. It's like you're, 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 you sin with your words, and then like the next most dominant theme is you sin with your laziness. But in the end, our diligence, our ambition, must in fact be for the glory of the Lord. Because it's His purpose alone that stands forever. We patiently wait for God to accomplish His plans. I feel this tension in myself every day, all the time as your pastor. I want our church to grow in godliness. I want every person in this room to be just theological, disciple-making, evangelistic machines for the glory of God in this community. I want us to be pure. I don't want, I don't want pornography even to be a thing. I, I don't want sexual sin to even be named among us. I, I don't want quickness to anger to be named among the people of St. Rose Community Church. I mean, I want our church to grow in godliness, to grow numerically. I want more elders and deacons who passionately serve in particular areas, pouring themselves out for different ministries that God has given them a particular heart and passion for. I want our church to train up a generation of pastors and church planners and missionaries and disciple makers and the church landscape of New Orleans be transformed so that people don't ask me, hey, I live in New Orleans East or I live in Metairie. Where can I go that's close to me that preaches the Bible? And I would know 20 places just to name off the cuff. Many are the plans of this man. But the purpose of the Lord will stand forever. My role is to pray and to preach every week, to be faithful to the scriptures, to constantly question my own motives and idolatries, to constantly entrust that God don't need me. I just get to participate. I work hard, and I wait patiently, and my soul is tranquil when I live in that space. Working hard, but patiently trusting the Lord. That's Christian ministry, and really that's just the Christian life. Listen, the gospel of Jesus Christ itself is an invitation to come and wait. That's what it is. The gospel message is an invitation for you, a sinner, to come and wait 
for promises of a better world, a better life when Christ returns. This has been the message of God from the beginning. God told Eve, your offspring will crush that serpent's head. Just wait. To Abraham, your barren wife will have children and you'll be a great nation. Just wait. To Joseph, your brothers will bow down to you. Just wait. To Moses, I will lead these people into a, a promised land. Just, just wait 40 years. <laughs> to David, I'll send a king to reign over you. Just wait. To Isaiah, a child is born. The government's going to be on his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom. Just wait. To Jeremiah, behold, the days are coming when I'll make a new covenant with the house of Israel. I'll be their God. They'll be my people. I'll forgive their iniquity. I'll remember their sins no more. Just wait. To Ezekiel, I'll give you a new heart, a new spirit I'll put within you, and I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Just wait. Jesus says, see, we're going up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles and they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. But just wait. On the third day, he will rise again. And he did and for 40 days, Jesus taught the disciples about the kingdom of God and the great mission he's sending them on and how the Holy Spirit's going to come and then their words will be empowered. Just, just wait. And then he ascends to heaven. And the disciples stand at the bottom and they are terrified <laughs> at what God has called them to. And angels appear in the sky and they essentially say, get to work. He will come again on clouds of heaven just as he has ascended. Just wait. This is the season we live in as a Christian between Christ's first coming and his second coming, between the already and the not yet, we live and work and sacrifice and we grieve death and we rejoice and we minister in a broken world waiting for Christ to come again, to set all that has been wrong right again so that we might see Christ face to face again. The Apostle Paul says our present suffering is not worthy of comparison to the glory that will be revealed to us. Just wait. I'll close with a reading from Romans 8, chapter 19, verse 25, that just describes patience as the very essence of Christian living. Romans 8, 19 says this, For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and, and it will obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know the whole creation has been groaning together in pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, we groan inwardly. As we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope, for who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, 
we wait for it with patience. This is wisdom, brothers and sisters. It is faith to patiently await the purposes and plans of God. And though oftentimes we're canceled we're, or counseled not to pray for patience, why don't we pray for patience together uh, to close this sermon? Father, help us to be a people that is better at waiting. Help us to be a people who are slow to react and slow to speak and slow to trust ourselves <laughs> and quick to hear, quick to seek counsel, quick to trust the Lord and His timing. God, we just pray that you would help us to do what our souls don't naturally want to do. Help us to embrace patience with the small things in our lives. The small disruptions and uh, distractions. Help us to be patient with our children. Help us to be patient with our, our spouses. Help us to be patient with our friends. Help us to be patient with our life situation. And Father, may a deep, deep conviction, convictional faith, in the sovereignty of God, give us a tranquil soul that works diligently, but not hastily. Lord, help us to wait for you. I pray for the non-Christian in the room who has never taken the time to stop and think about ultimate things, that they would take the necessary time today, that they would grab someone at the door, they would grab someone next to them, and they would ask how how do I be forgiven of my sins? How do I know that the promises just talked about are mine? I pray, God, give them the courage and strength to take the time to consider what they believe, Lord. Lord, we pray, work in all these ways and more in response to your word. In Jesus' name, amen.